The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcaurora.com This morning, we are going to be looking at God's Word in uh, Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Luke 18, 9 through 14. And, you know, this morning, just even driving in, just changes and things that are going on and whatnot. And we've got curves and twists and turns and things in, in life. But you know what? Uh, we're drive, Chandra was driving in this morning. And you know what? I just sang that scripture. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. God has made this day. Let us rejoice. Let us be glad in it. Amen? So, if you guys are ready, we're going to be talking this morning. Um, we'll also be praying for Pastor Shane and his family as well. It's kind of a little bit of a rough transition from, you know, Hawaii to, to here and whatnot. So, we need to keep the, keep the family uh, lifted in, in prayer in that regards. And so, as he talked to me the other day and said, could you prepare a sermon? I said, well, whatever do you mean, sir? <laughs> How about you're at home and we'll video and we'll stream it on over? <laughs> Just like, so uh, I said, no, no, we'll, we'll do that. I will do the best that I can. And so we will be, again, talking about, uh, titled it, God Exalts the Humble and Humbles the Exalted. Uh, and we're going to be seeing a contrast between two men in this parable, one the Pharisee and the other the tax collector. Uh, I know that some of us might have heard these, this particular parable uh, before, but hopefully, again, God's word will never be old or just, you know, here or there in our lives. Uh, and so today, this sermon, I think I want us to point out some of the dangers of self-righteousness, or should I really want to say, as we l- will look into it, self-justification. We're going to talk about that, and we're going to see our need for mercy and what it means to be justified by faith in Christ alone. You see, our culture, I think, even when I was growing up, but even today, I don't think it's, it's, it's out of place to say that many of us have been taught a lot or we've heard a lot about finding your own truth. Finding answers that are within yourself. That, well, this is your truth. That's my truth. We'll just agree to disagree. But whatever you, whatever that's true for you, whatever that's working for you, well, that, that's good. Because that you, you're a good person, after all. I mean, you know, God is a God of, of, of love, right? And as long as you're a good person, you're going to be good to go when you need to get to heaven. Now, there's nothing wrong with having thoughts of encouragement. Nothing wrong with having motivational thoughts, if you will. Positive thinking, even, if you will. Or things of that like. But when we try to apply that type of thinking to God in regard specifically to justification, and again, we're going to talk about what it means to be justified, and no, it's not the show that I like watching with 
show justified if you've seen that show, sorry. Uh, but what it is to be justified that we think that we have the necessary good inside of us innately to get to God, if it will, or to make it to heaven. But that's not what the Bible teaches us. There's only one solid foundation that we're going to see today, folks. That's Jesus Christ. And if we find our strength, our justification, dare I say our own righteousness and our security in what we have done and who we are, we will always fall short of the righteous standard that is perfection set by God, the sinless son of God. So in that mindset, I mean, I know that as, you know, as family, sometimes we think, and we're so, I think as Christians, that we sometimes, it's not that we don't forget, but sometimes it's not always in the forefront of our minds of what it's like to not be a Christian. That we get into some of the Christianese, have you heard that term before? That saying, right? It's this, the sayings that we get acclimated to in, in church culture, if you will. And not that it's wrong, but man, I, I want to tell you, right? We, we all know just outside of even these four walls, there is a community, there is a city, there is a world of people that don't know Christ and are unfamiliar to the teachings of Christ, even in that sense. And, and so it's more common to have that innate, that, that knee-jerk response, that knee-jerk thought, right, that says, I am a good person. I deserve to go to heaven. And so we're going to see some of these uh, different uh, contrasting, this tension, if you will, in why God's standard is perfection. And how can that possibly be that God expects perfection? So what's the solution? The solution is simply, not that it's simply, but simply the gospel. There's only one place in which to find our true identity and eternal security, and that is in what Christ has already done for us. Amen. God has perfect, has a perfect righteous standard that, again, only Christ was able to fulfill because our sin we fall short, Romans 3.23 says, that all have fallen short of the glory of God. So we cannot become righteous on our own, but by the blood of Christ, God has provided righteousness for us. And Ephesians, if you're taking notes, Ephesians 2.13 says this. Ephesians 2.13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Amen and amen. So as we get into, the, into this this morning, I think that hopefully that we um, can hide God's word in our heart this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you truly this is the day that you have made, Father. Lord, and in the midst of everything that is going on, Lord, let us praise you in our hearts, in our minds, with our words, Father. May your word be true this morning. May your word impact us in our hearts, in our minds, in our thoughts, O oh Lord, that we may hold it dear, Father, 
For truly it is your word that brings transformation. Lord, that it would bring transformation in our thoughts, transformation in our thinking, in our actions, in our attitudes, O Lord, that truly in everything that we do, we may bring glory to you. In Christ's name I pray, amen. So if you'll turn with me to uh, prepare to uh, go through Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Let's read that, Luke 18, 9 through 14. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Or that they, some might say that, uh, your your, uh, translation might say that they look down on others. Verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Verse 13, but the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So when we look at this, um, Jesus, we got to see that Jesus frequently told stories within a context, and in this case, a parable, to make a certain point. <clears throat> he told the parable, you might remember, of the unmerciful servant in response to Peter's question about how many times he's supposed to forgive his brother. You guys remember that? How many times? I mean, because see, in the law then, the Pharisees would say, listen, you're good to go if you can at least forgive your brother seven times. That was the requirement that they would say. What did Jesus say? (laughs) No, eight's good. (laughs) Right? Uh, He also said, how about the parable of the good Samaritan in response to a man who asked, who's my neighbor? Right? And many times when we look at that, that's a whole other one. But man, that, that parable of the Good Samaritan, when everybody's walking by, and even the religious, religious leaders, right, they were saying that they were crossing the street to avoid him. And we look at that going, oh my gosh, that, that, well, that, there you go. That's how, that's how people in the church are. They're certainly hypocrites. They're just going to walk across the street and walk on by. But did you know even in that instance, the law at that time, somebody that was even dying, they were permitted, they were not permitted to even touch him. That's why they were walking across the street because the the Pharisees, they thought that they were fulfilling the law to not even be around the guy because they would basically be, I won't say contaminated, but right, but they would be unholy. They They would be breaking the law. So, but again, Jesus is using these parables Right? He would say many times, and we hear that many times Jesus would say, you, you have heard, but I say to you. Right? There's a standard here. And so this is no different. How about the, product, the parable of the prodigal son after the religious leaders were criticizing Jesus? So this one is aimed, also aimed at the hearts 
of his audience. And this parable is similar to the others that I just mentioned, that he's telling a story to address a spiritual need. And so when we look at the three points today, we're going to see, one, who his audience was. The audience at this time that he's speaking to was self-righteous. Number two, Jesus, we're going to break this down. We're going to see that the story is about the Pharisee and the tax collector. So we're going to see that story. And point number three, we're going to see that he taught that grace and mercy are freely given, not earned. So point number one, his audience. We're going to see, we see that in verse nine, it says, he also told this parable to some who trusted in who? In themselves, that they were righteous and that they looked down on everyone else or that they looked at others with contempt. So anybody ever know anybody? I mean, I can remember, I can even go back to school. And, man, if you weren't part of the, this crowd or that crowd or, you know, they looked at you, you know, they looked down on you, oh, you, you know, you're not part of this group. You're not in the in group, you know. Or, or you know, as you start getting older and you get a job and, oh, you, you're, you're working where? Oh, oh, well, you know. When, you know, or I'll tell you, it, it finds its way to the church. I can't tell you a lot of times. In fact, it's, it's funny because Shane and I will joke because I remember, I remember the, one of the first times when Shane was, you know, they were, someone was asking Shane his opinion. And then as he was given his opinion uh, on things with church, they said, well, how many people do you have at your church? And he said, well, what does that matter? Oh, we'll see. If you don't have at least 500 you know, you, then you're not really at the plates. You're not, that's, I, I don't, it's not, you know, I'm sure you've got your opinions, but I'm looking for some advice from someone who's a pastor of at least 500. Because once you have at least 500, then you're really doing something. And, I, and we were talking about that. So sometimes I joke, well, now, Shane, I, I can't, I don't know if I can be listening to you, brother, because our church is not at least at 500. Now, you know, when you get to 500, you're going to know how to help some people. And so we just kind of joke. So you can see Shane next time. You can say, hey, listen, I don't know if I want to listen because when you get to the or church gets to 500, then I think I might have to listen to what you have to say because it might be worth listening to. I just we tease him. We're going to have to delete that, whoever's editing it. <laughs> but, but no, we see that his audience was, was self-righteous. I mean, when we're talking about a Pharisee, we can be, you know, we're here in that a Pharisee at the time was who? It was a religious leader, right? We might say today that in, in light of this, as someone would be maybe a pastor, a, a, a church leader, a, a, an elder, a deacon, somebody that is leading, right? A Pharisee was a spiritual leader. The Pharisee and the scribes in the Jewish culture at that time were your religious leaders. Your, you know. So we're going to see that as they were self-righteous, it, this did two things in being self-righteous. That one, the Bible says here, that they trusted in themselves and that they were righteous, meaning that they were good enough. And secondly, that they looked down on everyone else or at least at many others. So when someone trusts in themselves that they are righteous, that they're good enough, that they're justified, and they begin to look down on others, many times I think, can you, can you think back, it, a lot of times... Some of those people are some of the most people, if I say that right, that are hurting inside themselves. And so they want to 
think more highly of themselves so that they look down on others and by doing so make themselves look better, right? So whatever the case in regards at this point, who, who can know totally? But we do know that in this case, the Bible says that this person, this Pharisee, was self-righteous. And it's important because in the culture that we live in today that prizes personal or internal trust and confidence in yourself alone, that your trust in yourself, that you believe in yourself, that you do it yourself, that it encourages us to seek independence and chart our own course in life. Cut out your own path. Because really, after all, if you believe it, you can achieve it, right? I mean, really, you, you can do whatever it is that you put and set your mind to do. If you work hard enough, you can do it. If you're strong enough, you can make it. Is that always true? I'm not saying that hard work, goals, being motivated, being positive, having plans, being diligent, being faithful, again, being a hard worker. There's nothing wrong with that. We should. We should be found that way. But again, if, if we are, if, if all of our working hard and, and, and dreaming big and all the goals that we have, right, and if we're not using our talents and our brains that God has given us, the danger really comes when we apply that mindset to salvation. That is making it to heaven. That is our eternal salvation. When we apply that to God's word, we're going to miss it every time. I mean, because when you look at it, I mean, you know, what is it? I think I saw Chandra, I think, posted one, something one time. It's like, uh, uh, this, this, was my, this was my plan in life. Point A, point B, straight line. What actually happened? <laughs> right? How many of us, how many of you had plans that every bit of it, 100%, every step of the way from when we started planning, it just went just that way? If there is one person, we're going to find that person and we're going to write a book. Because... <laughs> How many of that's never happened? How does that happen? Right? Sometimes, and again, I, I, you know, I, my kids, do I want to say yes? You know, go, you've got dreams, you've got thoughts, you've got aspirations, you've got, a, yes, I want to encourage them. Go for that. But what do we do when that doesn't happen? Just give up? Blaming other people? No, this is, but when we're talking about this part here, about this self-righteous attitude, this thought that says that we have whatever it takes innately in us. This is my truth. That's your truth. This is good for me. That's good for you. You know, cool. And you know what? The both of us are going to make it to heaven at the end of the day. That, yeah, right. <laughs> That's not going to happen. The gospel is not about how Christ came to make our lives easier happier, wealthier, or to give some guarantee of perpetual success and to have the best of everything. That is not the teaching and the true gospel of Jesus Christ. 
A self-righteous mindset will mislead us. When scriptures get twisted in that sense, we need to be very careful. I saw a lot, in fact, you know, um, in other churches, you know, as you know, many times Shane talked about it. We, we came up in more of a charismatic, a faith movement, a, even a prosperity message gospel that was preached. And, and it would be sometimes things like this. Even at the very end of the service, when you're talking about the very salvation of a person's soul, and you're preaching a gospel, and at the conclusion, you're saying, or they would say many, many times, if you have a need, if your marriage is failing, if you have a need and you need, a, you need, to, you need to have favor with, with, with your boss, and you, you need to, you, if, you're, if you need your help in your finances, if you need, to, if you've got a problem and you're hurting right now, you need to come to God and he's going to make it better. Anybody ever had some hard times? Well, I guess, you know what, God just wasn't there then. Come on. And, and you know what? I mean, it sounds silly. And sometimes we can chuckle because I chuckle at it too. When I think about that, so one part I, I kind of chuckle and sometimes I, I kind of cry because I'm thinking that was what was being taught. And you had no idea. And what happens? You come forward. Men, they would come forward in the altar. I need help in my marriage, oh, Lord. And that preacher said that if I come and give my life to the Lord, he's going to heal my marriage. I got healing in my body. My body is broken. I need this. I need help with that. I got this. I got that. Lord, that, that preacher told me that if I come to you, he's going to heal my body because that's his will. Oh, Lord, I need finances. I don't know how I'm going to make the rent next month. But that preacher up there told me that if I come to you, you're going you're gonna to give me all the needs that I, you're going to take care of me. So, yep, Lord, if you can do that, I'll give my life to you. Do you know how many people I've seen walk away from the Lord? would say walk away from the Lord, but I would almost fairly say that perhaps they really truly weren't with the Lord because it didn't start that way, right? That wasn't the gospel that they were hearing, and that's sad. So when we think about this happier, this better, this guarantee, this I'm better than you, or I really have this self-justified sense in myself that I'm good and I don't need anything or anyone else for my eternal salvation, we're missing the point. And there this Pharisee was sitting here saying these things. You see, we can't, we can't lower God's standard to make ourselves feel better. If God's standard is perfection, we can't say, well, you're good enough yourself. So it's okay. We can't start lowering that so that we make it achievable in of ourselves. Does that make sense? We can't change the meaning of the gospel, though I think many people try. So many people walking away because this is what is being taught out there a lot of. And I don't think that that's right. Paul mentioned in Galatians Chapter 1, verses, excuse me, Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. Or I'm sorry, goodness, this is Galatians 1, chapter 6 through 10, uh, verses 6 through 10. 
Galatians 1, verses 6 through 10, Paul says this. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but that there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Verse 8. But even if it were we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say it again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Verse 10, I like this. This is, this is something. Paul says, for, now, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. You see that last part? If I were still trying to please man. We're going to talk about a little bit just briefly a little bit later on Paul's past. Many of you know. Because Paul was a Pharisee. As Saul, remember? And he's saying, if I were still trying to please man, I wouldn't be serving Christ. <sighs> Pastor Shane always talks about us having to get the gospel right. So now we need to see that we can see and hear that his audience that Jesus is talking about in, in its simplest form is just this, is that they were self-righteous. They felt that they were justified in their eternal security. And so that's going to lead us to this second point that Jesus is talking here about the story of we're going to look at the Pharisee and the tax collector as the story. And he begins this parable by saying that there's two people praying in the temple. We've got the Pharisee on one side. We've got the tax collector on the other side. So now we're going to kind of break this down. So what we're going to do is we're going to see the prayer of what the Pharisee, when he prayed in verses 10 through 12 in Luke. Luke, uh, and in verses 10 through 12, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of everything I get. Now, in all fairness, we're used to reading this sometimes, uh, things like this, with the worst possible motives. Uh, into the character, in this case being the Pharisee, because, you know, again, as Christians, we get to know and we see that we kind of understand the undertone of the Pharisees and the scribes. But again, keep in mind, let's, let's try to put ourselves in the place of the audience that Jesus was speaking to. They themselves, too, were self-righteous. So think about that from this mindset being like, we're going to look at this uh, as, as trying to hear it as if we were uh, we are self-righteous, right? So they would have, for example, they would have seen this Pharisee, right, as a model citizen, if you will, in the Jewish community. Would have been a decent, upstanding religious man, a religious leader, someone to turn to, uh, somebody to explain the law to them, somebody to provide guidance, somebody who was pious if you will, even at the very least in their practice, in their life, right? So when we look at that, and before we say, you know what, I'm not self-righteous. Have, have, have we ever said some of the things or thought some of the things, you know, I'm not a bad person. I haven't killed anyone. 
I hadn't stole really anything, not anything of any value. I mean, heck, it was sitting on that store shelf for too long anyways. They didn't need it. <laughs> Come on. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. I just took it away. Come on. I mean, you know, I mean, really, I mean, Come on, okay, listen, it's really not major fraud. It's not a felony. It's a misdemeanor. Let's get that straight. So I'm just going to get a slap on the wrist. It's not a big deal. <laughs> I mean, thank you, Lord. How about this one? Somebody comes up and, and is hurting. And in the back of our mind, oh, man, Lord, thank you that I'm not dealing with that kind of sin. Whew. Man, I don't deal with that kind of stuff. I mean, my stuff is little, you know. I mean, they're telling some big lies. I just got little, little ones. That's the difference. But I don't deal with that kind of stuff. Thank God. Woo. Lord, I read my Bible at least two hours a day. That fool over there is only bare. I, I wonder if he's even five minutes a day. I thank the Lord for everything, after all, anyway. Do we? Have we ever even thought about something like that? You see, we all have sins that so easily entangle us. We all have our stuff. Well, yes, we may not deal with this thing over here, but I assure you, we deal with something over here. We all have our stuff. And we should never, I pray, be like that. But we need to love on each other. But I wonder if this is creating some kind of tension that we might, before we look in this and go, man, I would never be a Pharisee like that. Do we ever have these thoughts? At least God forbid something that we would ever be even as vulnerable and bold enough to even share with anybody. But God knows. God knows. So let's look at this. Let's, let's look at this. First, the Pharisee. Let's look at it how they would maybe perhaps think about it, or at least how in my mind I'm trying to interpret that a little bit and look at that. First of all, he was a Pharisee. He went to the temple, or we would say he went to the church to pray. How many know prayer is a good thing? We can come to church and pray. That's, that's a good thing, right? I mean, you know, after all, someone might say, I go to church at least on Christmas and Easter. Man, them fools at my work, they don't even go to church at all. I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, Twice a year, that's got to be good. Count me on the roll for something. He must have been seeking the Lord because he was a prayerful man. He went there to pray. So that's got to count for something, right? He, he's going to seek the Lord. Second, he thanked God for the good things he had done. That's a good thing, right? Thanking the, thanking the Lord for the good things that you've done. I mean, he didn't take credit for his own deeds, he thanked God that he wasn't like others. So what seems to really be the problem here? His self-righteous stems from his actions and words in the other aspects of his prayer, right? Yes, he did go to the temple, and yes, he expressed his gratitude to God, but not because God is just and holy, but because he saw himself as set apart and better than others. Then he mentioned some characteristics of sinners, though it's obvious he didn't consider himself one of them. He even included the tax collector in the same temple with him. And instead of looking up to God in his prayers, he looked down on others. So the point really here, were he truly aware 
of the awesome majesty of God, he would see himself on the same level as the tax collector, a sinner in need of God's mercy. So maybe perhaps the story shows us just how easy it is for maybe all of us to fall in this trap. Do we recognize God's mercy sometimes, or we just do we take things for granted? Now, we may have not have said or done these exact things, but have we ever considered ourselves better than anyone else? Do we recognize our need for Christ? Have we come so far that we don't need Christ? I want to talk about this part here where, where the story, the grace and the mercy are freely given and not earned in verses 13 and 14. So it's in contrast to the Pharisee who prayed about himself and the tax collector took a much different approach here. Verses 13 and 14 of Luke chapter 18. But the tax collector standing far off would not even raise his eyes to heaven but kept striking his chest and saying, God, Have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other. Because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Wow. So when Jesus is saying... This one, meaning the tax collector. This one went down to his house justified. So justification, what is justification? Justification justification is to be declared righteous when the standard is perfection by God. It's for those that are his. We are justified through the blood of Christ. He takes the wrath of God that was due us. He takes our self-righteousness and exchanges it for his righteousness and therefore justifying us by fulfilling that standard of perfection based on what Christ has done and what Christ has done alone. That is to be justified. So when Jesus said, this one, this one went down to his house justified, not the other guy. Now could you imagine Jesus saying this to the crowd then. That would have been scandalous. Are you, that's, that, that, that's like, here's this guy, or here's this person that comes in off the street, if you will. Sees and hears the message of Christ and the gospel, the good news. Falls on his face, repents, receives God's mercy, and yet, this pastor standing up here and yet then Christ walking in and saying, I tell you this, you see that person right there? That one, they went home justified. Not this guy up here. Could you imagine what they would have been like hearing that at that time? They they would have been like, you must be beside yourself, Jesus. But that's what it would have been akin to. R.C. Sproul notes this. He says, The Pharisee relies on his own merits, not having discovered that no human righteousness is sufficient before God, before a God who demands perfection. 
So if you're taking note on this one, Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. There you go. The standard is perfection. R.C. Sproul further notes that although we cannot attain such perfection in this life, it is the goal pursued by all those who have become children of the Father. In other words, as Christians, that's our goal, is perfection. But you're not gonna, we're not able in of ourselves to reach it in this life. This one I thought interesting and very moving. Paul in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. Paul isn't, he's saying, I'm not perfect. But he takes this on as his goal. Why? Excuse me. Because Christ made him his own. He was bought with the price. As for those that are his, he has made you his own. His standard is still perfection. And even Paul himself, even though I'm not perfect, this is what I'm striving for. And he's even saying, I don't consider that I've even made it my own. He's still striving. He's still apprehending for this thing. And then he says, this one thing I do, I forget What lies behind me? Man, oh man, oh man. I almost kind of started to to just cry a little bit when I thought about that. So we think about that sometimes in myself. I'll just say for myself, many times I've read this familiar passage of Scripture. Forgetting what's behind. What's behind you today, family? We all have a past. This one, that one, here, there. Do we say that there are regrets? Do we say that there are sins that God has forgiven us of? Do we say that there are whatever you want to call it? What is Paul saying? Could you imagine? Paul, didn't he ever call himself the chief sinner? Could you imagine what he's having to forget? Could you imagine? Can we say Paul had some PTSD? Come on. Wasn't he a Pharisee? Wasn't he the one who thought at the time that he was fulfilling the law and righteous by tracking down followers of Christ to do what? Pat them on the back? Kind of listen to what they had to say? Maybe consider that as their truth? And well, that's different from your truth and my truth, brother. But I, I see how we can differ. But, you know, I just want to find some common ground here. I'm trying to understand. No. Could you imagine throwing him in jail? killing him? Could you imagine, in fact, the last, I had a sermon one time years ago on the very last thing before Paul's conversion or Saul's conversion to Paul, the stoning of Stephen. Could you imagine? He's tracking down this guy, Stephen, 
gets them, rounds them up. All the religious leaders at the time, right, in charge with this, come to Paul or Saul, and they say, give us the word, man. Just, just give us the word. Done. Paul said, or Saul said, do it. And what did they do? They took off their clunics, their, their, what they were wearing, their outer garments. And it's, the Bible says they dropped them at, Paul, at Saul's feet. And they went and they stoned Stephen. Could you imagine? Forgetting what lies behind me, family. I strain forward to what lies ahead. I press on for the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ. I know that many of us have things in our past that we'd like to forget. Unfortunately, we don't forget it. That would be amnesia. But for those that repent, God gives us forgiveness. God is the only one that forgets, right? That if we confess our sins, God does what? He is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and does what? He casts them as far as the east is from the west, and what? Remembers them no more. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So when we see this thing, even Paul is saying, this is the standard, family. I haven't reached it yet. But you know what? I'm working towards it. And you know why I'm working towards it? I'm working towards it because God got a hold of me. Christ got a hold of me, and he made me his. And you know what? I'm going to forget that stuff in the past. Why? Because Christ forgave me for it. I'm going to forget it. And I'm going to strain forward for the goal, for the prize that lies ahead in Christ. The fact that the, the, fact that the tax collector was beating his chest, could you imagine? I wonder if how we would respond to that today. I wonder how we would respond to somebody coming to the altar broken. Lord, oh my God, I can't believe a sinner that I am. That you would even forgive me to be that broken over our sin. Could you imagine? What would we even say? Oh my God, that's kind of awkward. I don't know. Have I seen somebody do, whew, I don't know. We, we, you know, we just, we just, you know, I mean, praise God. We'll pray for that brother, that sister up there. How would we really respond? Somebody coming in off the street heard the gospel for the first time and recognized the depth of the sin that they created in their lives, the decisions and the choices that they made, their own selfishness, their own pride, their own hurt that they caused other people. The only things that they've done to know that they fell short of the standard, but yet this is what they wanted, that God opened their eyes and opened their heart. And they would sit there in church and cry out, God, forgive me, a sinner. I need your mercy and your grace. Would we rejoice or would we be embarrassed? Would we come up maybe even perhaps behind that brother or sister and put our arms around them and love on them? Or have we come that far that we've been that mature that we just don't act like that anymore? We were 
we were brought up in the church, and so I just don't see a need for that kind of thing, Brother Steve. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. But you see what Jesus said here? This man that did that, that man went home justified. Not the other one. This man did. This man did. You see, when we compare these two men, the Pharisee focused his attention on all the things that he had done for God. The tax collector, he knew, he knew that his only hope was that only what God could do for him. He couldn't do it in and of himself. Have we ever reached that point in our life? We try, we try, we try, we try. And then we kind of come to that point where, oh my gosh, Lord, I've tried everything, can't do it. Well, we should have started that in the first place. Lord, help me. <laughs> but the tax collector did. And Jesus ended this parable by explaining simply the meaning of the parable. The tax collector went to his house justified, not the Pharisee. And again, this would have shocked the original listeners. You, you mean that religious Pharisee, our leader? He's the one that failed to receive salvation? To, failed, he failed to receive God's justification? You mean that sinning tax collector? See, you, we, we read that and we think tax collector. Well, tax collector, well, at the time, right, the Pharisee was also a Jew. So was the tax collector, was also a Jewish person in the community. But do you see that the Jewish tax collectors were the ones t collecting the taxes for the Roman Empire at the time? And many times were they dealing false with their own or deceitful with their own people? Do you realize even in, 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 the, in the, um, the Jewish laws, even in today's time right now, do you realize that actually even as a Jewish person in a Jewish culture today, it's okay to mistreat in business a non-Jewish person, but it is not okay, it is not legal for you to have misdealings in a business with a Jewish person. That's true today. Wow. <laughs> Here, how much more so? In that culture, they're saying, are you kidding me? This tax collector, this guy, you know what, man? You know what, matter of fact, I know that dude. That guy came around my house last month, and you know what? I know I had my records right. I know I was only supposed to pay this, but man, this guy told me that his record showed that I owed him this much more. Man, that guy's a thief. Man, I see that guy around. I'll, I'll tell you what, I got something for him. This tax collector? You mean this guy, his profession is a, is a tax collector? And this tax collector? Jesus, you're, you're saying this one? He gets to go home. He's, he's justified? This is, this is, I mean, holy smokes. How, how could that even happen? But we have to learn and understand that the truth of justification is by faith alone in Christ alone. It's not by our works, but by grace that we are saved. You see, it might be something, again, some of these little off sayings or stuff from my thoughts in my past. You know, before I was a Christian. I wasn't raised in the church. But you know, it would have been something like this. You know, I'm looking at that guy over there. 
And you know, that cat, he seems like he's a pretty cool dude. He doesn't really do anything wrong. In fact, that guy, man, I, I've, I've kind of read some things on that. I've seen some, heard some people talk about he's a, he's a, he gives to the community. He's a good philanthropist. He's, man, that guy, yeah, he's, he's going to make it to heaven. He's going in the front door. And this one over here, man, this person over here, now, I don't know, I, you know what, I can, I can kind of see it. You know, they're, I mean, they're, they're really good. I mean, you know, hey, look, you know, no one's perfect after all. Come on, I'm not perfect. You know, don't judge me. I'm not perfect. This guy, he's not, this person, he, he's not perfect. He probably made a few mistakes. Who hasn't made some mistakes here and there? He's got a few little bumps and little things along the way. told a few little lies. Did nothing, nothing real major. You know, I'm sure, Ben, this guy, he's probably going to make it to heaven. He's just probably going to go in the side door. You know, and, 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 and Ben, this, this one over here, I, I mean, I, you know, this guy, I mean, yeah, he's not the best of guys, but man, he, he hasn't really done anything awful real, real bad. I mean, he, he's not as good as the, even the, the second guy, but, he, you know, he's, he's, he's okay. I mean, I, I can't, listen, I can't fault him. I mean, you know, he didn't steal that. He appropriated it. You know, he, he didn't lie. He just didn't tell all the truth. He, he, was, he had good intentions. I mean, he tried. He did his, he did his best. Man, now, now, that guy, I'm sure he's going to make it to heaven. Now, he just, he didn't walk in maybe the front door. He, he kind of like, you know, cut the line a couple times and, <clears throat> you know, kind of negotiated with the, the, the old the big man upstairs and whatnot. And, you know, you know, somehow did a little favor here and there at the last minute and got through the bouncer at the back door, snuck in the back door, and he came into heaven. He made it into heaven through the back door, barely come in smelling like smoke. But praise God, he made it. Come on. <laughs> Right, this, this is some, I know it sounds really silly, but this is some of my thinking. I didn't know. I didn't know. I just thought, you know what, listen, I'm a good person. I, I heard the name of Jesus. I mean, many times it was in a different saying, but, you know, there was, I, I knew there was a God. It, it just sounds so foreign. But, but that's, that's the reality. If you think that some people aren't thinking like, I mean, look, just some of our stuff out there, you know, the, the talks of, you know, many roads lead to heaven. I, I, I mean, you know, hey, th- this is your, I mean, you're a good person. That's a bad, you know, just do your thing. Be a good law-abiding citizen and you're good to go. There's nothing really to worry about. This was just some of my silly thinking. You know what? Some, I, I'm probably not going to be the first kind of guy. But man, that second, I mean, I got, I'd like to make it in the side door, you know, kind of just, I'm going to step in the side. I don't, you know, man, I got to just, I got to change my, my clothes when I come in. I'm smelling like smoke, <laughs> you know, but I was just thinking, what is that? Well, I'll get to it when I get to it kind of thing. Ephesians 2, chapter, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It's a gift. It's a gift of God. Sometimes when people say it was a free gift, well, it certainly cost somebody something. It cost Christ his life. It cost God his only son. There was a cost, make no mistake. It just wasn't paid by you and I. By grace, we've been saved through faith. Not anything that we did to do ourselves or anything we did we earned of ourselves. But it was a gift. You know, to 
to further kind of embarrass myself. Sometimes I know I've said it before, but sometimes I don't know. I, I say stuff, and I think even between Shandra or my kids, you know, they're like, Dad, I've heard that one before. I know, but humor your father. <laughs> I, I told you guys, I, you know, I, I just, I, I, sometimes maybe I, I, when I say something outside, out, out loud, and it just kind of that, anybody ever like, you know, you talk to somebody and you're like, listen, I don't need advice right now. I do, but I just want you to listen to me. And sometimes, right, we call that a sounding board, or sometimes we just say stuff out loud, and it just kind of has this different impact. I don't know. Maybe that's the case for me, but sometimes when I was thinking of, 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 of this, I remembered, and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, how far I have yet to go in this life, in this process of sanctification, right? Lord, forgive me. Help me to walk in the steps that you'd have me to walk in, oh, Lord. But then I began to remember how far the Lord has actually even brought me. I remember, I told you before many, many, um, when I was first saved, when I first repented, and the very, the, the first, well, one of the first times, it was, I think that was the same church, it was a different, you know what it was, it was a different building, um, but it was very new Christian, very new Christian, and listen, like I said, I wasn't raised, I, I, I mean, I, I, I went to nightclubs, and I went to house parties, and I went to, come on, I went cruising, and you know, I was talking to Roberto. I, mean, I used to cruise down 38th and Federal, and, you know, when we needed gas, we'd stop by, and it said no loitering, so we would pump gas like a nickel at a time so we could check out everything, and, you know, we could do this and do that. I mean, because I thought we were cool, and, you know, I thought this was, you know, I was, I had a real cocky attitude. I was, the time I was telling Roberto, I was boxing. I did Golden Gloves boxing, and, man, did I have a chip on my shoulder, and, you know, just trouble could find me when I looked over my shoulder, and um, when I got saved, it was, it was something that I recognized. I mean, I wept when I realized all of this. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, you're telling me that God can forgive me? Why would he even, why would he do that? Why would he even forgive me for you? I mean, like, no, no, okay, well, he could maybe forgive me for some of this stuff over here, but he's not going to forgive me over there. I got to do something. I got to pay some penance. I got to do something to get this one off the record. No, 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 God forgive you for that too. And I just, I remember sitting on the floor in this home and I just wept, I cried. I mean, I, it was, you know, when these people, some says I, I, I wept and it was past crying. And I, I, I was, man, my body was shaking, I was, I was crying, I was crying. And when I went to church, it'd be like this, it'd be like looking up here and seeing Phil and uh, Stacy up here in the, what we call this, the eagle's nest. Right? Well, they didn't have one up like that. It would have been in the back where Jack is with the camera in the back. And, and, the, and, the, and the, uh, the sanctuary at that time in the building was split like this in two sides. And they were recessed. And this little section where the camera and the, and the uh, uh, well, Phil would be the DJ, you see. Phil, Phil is the DJ up there. Right, and we got his partner down here in connection on the running the camera, and we got some backup spinning the records over here. Stacy up there, y'all don't realize all this stuff, but that's what's going on up here. And so, right, because you're, I mean, you're, you know, you you go to the you go to this club, or you know, even in the house parties, man, they would have the things set up, and you got your DJs and spinning the records, and you know, man, if you wanted to hear a song, you'd go over there and tip them, and. You know, here you go, man, you know, and especially if you wanted to impress a lady friend or, you know, if you wanted to really show your boys that you had some clout, man, you could just walk in and 
and let this play this, and do, you know, and that's how that's how, how you rolled. And so I remember walking in, and he, oh my, are you are you kidding me, man? They got a DJ booth up in here. Holy cow! And I see the guy has got his headset on, and he's communicating with the guy up here singing. Because he's telling him to do stuff, and he's doing it. And some of the little lights are kind of changing up here. And I'm thinking, oh, man, this is cool. And I'll tell you what, when the last worship song sung, and people automatically started sitting down, I'm like, what? I'm looking, it's over? Why? Why? No, no, no. So I was like digging already in my pocket like this, and we're kind of sitting in the middle off over here to this side, and I'm like, and then at the time, my girlfriend at the time was sitting here, and I'm like going, excuse me, excuse me, and I get over here like this, and she grabs my arm. She goes, where are you going? Yo, babe, check this out. I see the DJ booth up over there. I'm going to go give that cat a five spot, and I'm going to ask him, that old guy up there, to sing that song again, because that was dope. She started laughing right there. And the people, I said it out loud enough that the people around her, they all started kind of chuckling. Which I'm thinking, right? And they're like thinking, and she's like, oh, oh no, no, hon, no, no, just sit down. I'll explain that to you later. I know that that sounds funny, but could you imagine? Could you imagine how liberating, how freeing, what a load off of a person's shoulders. It is when you hear the gospel and it just breaks that off of your neck. You mean I don't have to be good enough? I don't have to come to Christ a certain way? I don't have to clean myself up? You, you, you mean, I, man, I just, I, I just dropped a couple curse words, and, and you, he, I, I just did that, like, right before I came in. Are you sure you're going to forgive that, too? Do, do, do we, have we forgotten? Have we forgotten that load that Christ is light? Have we, have we no idea what that might be like? Can we remember Wonder what this tax collector must have felt like. And Jesus said, this man, I tell you, he went home justified. At that time in my life, every time I wanted to hear, every time to hear something preached of the word, it just like chipped away at this hard exterior. Just taking this, man, oh my gosh. And you just start, you just start being able to understand God's grace a little more. Every day. God's mercy every day. The Bible says that God's mercy is new every morning. Do you know I was studying that one time in the Greek? You know what I mean? The picture that it gives in the Greek? You ever, you ever in the summertime when you wake up and you, get on, you go out in the, in the morning on your lawn and you see that there's still some of that dew on the grass? That's the picture that says that His mercy, His grace, His mercy is new Every morning, just like that dew appears on the grass every morning like that, every day it's new. Whew. Man, every morning, every time we ask God for forgiveness, his mercy, where sin abounds, what? Grace abounds that much more. Whew. May we never lose sight of this 
revolutionary truth of justification. This scandalous beauty of grace. This good news is found in Christ and Christ alone. So in closing, I know that sometimes even some hearing some of this There might be some tension. There might be some, you know, frustrations or whatnot when we hear things like this. Sometimes it can be tough. Nobody likes being called out with stuff like that. Nobody likes, when we, when we see stories like this or hear things like this, nobody signs up the short list to say, I'd like to be in, li- in my life and in my goal, I would like God to use me as the Pharisee here. <laughs> Nobody's signing up on that list. Come on, right? You know, I was in the Navy and they, after a while they said, well, you know, the acronym for Navy, never again volunteer yourself. I'm not going to volunteer myself to be on that list. I want, I want to be the tax collector that gets justified. So they're hearing this sometimes. We might, our knee-jerk response might be, well, that's not me. I'm not the Pharisee type of person. I'm, I'm, I'm not, that's not me, Lord. Is it? Well, I don't like it. Me neither. You know what? It's got one word. Repent. It's okay. Repent. In that offense, feeling offended, still trying to justify themselves. What are we supposed to do? How can we reconcile this tension of saying, I don't want to find myself as a Pharisee, Lord. But maybe he's saying, well, maybe, you know what? Maybe you've been like this. This is the good news. This is why Christ came, to seek and save those who are lost. This is the good news that we, even us as his children, ask for forgiveness. He's faithful and just to do that. Even let the text collector, O Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, turn your wrath from me. My only hope is in you. You see, justification refers to the moment when a person is declared righteous before God based on the righteousness of Christ's atoning death alone. I want to read to you just a couple verses out of Romans. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 33 and 34. Romans 8, 33 and 34. Paul's saying this. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Meaning God's elect is God's children, those that are his, right? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Is it God who justifies? Or I'm sorry, it is I'm sorry, it is God who justifies. Verse 34. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Let me just read 35 as well. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
And he's talking about his, his, those that are his. Who then? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And it goes on. But in this, it is God who justifies. And if it is God who justifies those that are his, who condemns? No one. You are free. You are free. You are free. This, again, is not the result of any work, effort, or anything that we could ever do. It's all about what Christ has already done. You see, the tax collector cried out for God's mercy on him, a sinner. And through his sacrificial, sacrificial death as our substitute, Jesus took the wrath of God that our sins deserved. And like the tax collector, we too can cry out to God to have mercy on us and save us because of what Christ Jesus has done for us on the cross. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www.cbcaurora.com.